gates open, off and Skyly Sensory stayed in the gate. There's Bo Rogue being set alight immediately by Cyril Small and racing to the lead. But Bo Rogue won't give up, he's still in front. Groucho's grabbing him now. Groucho coming at Bo Rogue, don't play, getting a rails run. Bo Rogue in front, he's got a heart as big as himself. He'll win, Bo Rogue! Bo Rogue has cracked it at last. This podcast is brought to you by Racing New South Wales, Sky Racing and Inglis. Many Central Coast holiday makers look forward each year to the Gosford Race Club's post-Christmas race meeting. Wednesday, December the 29th is the date to keep in mind for the running of the Group 3 Bell of the Turf for fillies and mares over 1,600 metres with a purse of $200,000. Co-feature race on the day will be the listed Gosford Guineas of 150,000 for the three-year-olds over 1,200 metres. The Gosford precinct has been earmarked for a major development in the near future with an $8 million New South Wales government funding package to construct an additional 200 on-track stables. Currently, there are around 80 horses in regular training at Gosford. That number is expected to rise sharply when the new accommodation becomes available. But for now, there's a great race meeting to focus on. Wednesday, December the 29th, the Bell of the Turf and the Gosford Guineas. Racegoers love the amphitheatre effect of the Gosford track. There's no friendlier place to go racing during the Christmas holiday. November was an exciting month for Teresa Baitup, who has emerged in recent times as a very serious horse trainer. She's happily ensconced at Kembla Grange with a team rarely exceeding 35 horses. Not a huge team in this day and age, but the preferred number for a trainer who likes to be on first-name terms with all of her horses. The bait-up stable provided six winners in the month of November. The Guru got the ball rolling at Randwick on Melbourne Cup Day and followed up with another win on Gong Day at Kembla. On the same program, Teresa made it a double when Divine Breath won the midway, giving the trainer her first Metropolitan double. Three days later, Strikem Wunsey scored at Wagga, while at the Sapphire Coast on Monday the 29th, the stable notched another double with Shaka Rock and Crackerlacker. Teresa has been horse-mad since age 12, when she got her first pony on the family farm at Stock and Bingle, on the southwest slopes of New South Wales. A Palomino pony called Buddy unloaded his young rider time and time again, but she kept getting back on until the pony gave up. Then came a love affair with Arab horses, but her fascination with thoroughbreds evolved when she spent time in the Kutamundra TAB agency where her mum worked as an operator on Saturdays. Before long, young Teresa was studying form guides, watching races on Sky and even having a little dabble on the side. There were other phases to her education, but I'll let her tell us about them as we welcome Teresa Baitup to the podcast. Teresa, good morning. Good morning. I'll bet you didn't want November to end. No, it's been a sensational month. Um, yes, we'd, we'd like to have more months like that and it's... um. Yeah, it's great when all the hard work that goes into them pays off on the racetrack. The Guru won two Metropolitan races for you during November. 
And that vindicated the opinion you've always held of him. At $50,000, he was the dearest yearling you'd purchased at that stage. Does that still apply? Uh, Yes, I've probably paid 50 for another couple since then. Um, But yes, he was definitely at the top of the list as far as purchase price at the time. He's won 226000 Teresa. Been an, an amazing bargain, hasn't he? He has, and he, he's just a, he's a character of a horse. He's got a lot of personality. Um, he's good fun to have around the stables, uh, a bit like a cheeky to- toddler to test your patience at times. Um, mm-hmm. But, no, he, he's a, a joy to have around most of the time and, um, yeah, to see his career unravel and to top it off with two Metropolitan wins this month has been absolutely fantastic. Your double on Gong Day came up when Divine Breath won the midway, running right up to that wonderful third in the four pillars. She's a really nice four-year-old mare, this one, Teresa, by Scissor Kick, who comes up with an odd one now and again. Yeah, look, she's she's a lovely filly. She's not overly big. Uh, she's only finely built, but she's got a big heart and she tries every time she goes out. Uh, we've always had a nice opinion of her. And I think there's still some improvement to come. Um, and I must thank a, a really good bunch of owners. I'd, I'd bought her in last preparation with a view to sort of having a, a crack at a race like the Scone Guineas. And we just weren't that happy with her. She was still a bit immature in that. Uh, so mm. we, we pulled up stumps and put her back in the paddock, gave her a nice long spell. Mm. And we, we're starting to get the rewards from that now. Your strike rate with yearlings purchased at the English Scone sale is second to none, and Divine Breath is another example. I think you got her for 11000 She's won 174000 Yes, that's right. I, I, I love the, uh, the scone sale. Uh, I've just had a, a lot of luck buying relatively cheap horses out of that sale that we've won a lot of races with, and they've returned many times their purchase price. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably started with Fleeting Strike, uh, then I had... Horses like Tequita, Burden of Proof, Monigle, um, and now Divine Breath, and there's been a few others from there as well. Mm. I want to talk about Crackalacker, uh, which provided the second leg of your Sapphire Coast double on the 29th of November, having her first start for you. Now, she was formerly with Chris Lees, but she turned up on the Inglis online sale. She came with a booming run to swamp the leaders at the Sapphire Coast. Were you expecting that? No, I probably wasn't expecting that. Um, we'd we'd had a – she came to us um, at the end of last preparation when one of our owners bought her uh, with a view because she was three-year-old at the time and Bob's eligible to, to try and get her to the races and, and win one with the Bobs. Mm. Uh, she'd probably had enough by that stage. Uh, so we tipped her out, gave her a nice break, break and brought her back. She t- tried quite nicely uh, for me this preparation. Um, at the same time, I thought that there's still plenty of improvement in her when she went to the races mm. at Sapphire Coast. She drawn pretty ordinarily, uh, so she was going to need some luck in running. Um, but yeah, definitely wasn't expecting to see that turn of foot. Um, was pleasantly surprised by it and um, makes it a, she makes her a very exciting prospect moving forward. Yep. And what are the plans, Therese? She's still on an easy mark. You'll just poke along quietly with her. 
Yeah, look, we'll just take her through the grades. Uh, she'll probably go around at the Maruyu meeting in about two weeks' time. Uh, so we're still learning a bit about her. Uh, I think she'll get out over a little bit further as well. Uh, so, yeah, at the moment she's uh, still down in the ratings, so we'll take advantage of that and work her through her grades. So try and pick up another one or two in the country before stepping her up to provincial and, and maybe down the track look at some midweek metropolitan or midway races for her. You love training at Kembla. Uh, you keep your team around the 30 mark. Every now and again you might sneak up to 35. You've got a wonderful team of 10 hard-working people on the staff and you've got a wonderfully loyal client base. Yes, exactly right. No, it's a lovely spot here at Kembla. Um, having grown up in the country, uh, it sort of still offers that that nice, quiet country lifestyle, yet you're still close enough um, to the city and all the conveniences that come with that. Uh, yeah, it's just a lovely spot down here at Kembla. We've got good facilities that continue to improve. And, yeah, look, my team of staff are absolutely fantastic. Um, I'm, I'm very lucky that my partner, Mika Hearn, who's the next jockey, he, he rides track work for us. And, yeah, look, the rest of the staff, they, they really do. They put in the hard yards and, and that's why the horses get the results on the track. Back to the beginning. You and your brothers, Adam and Scott, spent much of your childhood on the family farm at Stock and Bingle where mum and dad ran sheep and produced big wheat crops and oaten crops. Terrific chapter in your childhood. Oh, look, it was a great place to grow up. Uh, yeah, look, we, we were really, really inside. We were all always outside making up our own games on the farm. I think we created our own little golf course. Mm. Um, and I used to go around. Dad was a shearer, so... Mm. Um, I was his number one helper. I used to go out to the shearing sheds with him on school holidays. Uh, every Saturday morning, we'd go out woodcarting. Uh, look, it was just a really great lifestyle, a great way to, to grow up. Now, I've mentioned Buddy, that Palomino pony who was obviously a smart aleck. He got rid of young Teresa more than once. Oh, yes. Yes, he was a cheeky bugger. Um, <laughs> but... but taught you how to ride well and how to stay on. Uh, so, yeah, he. Uh, we eventually uh, got into the stage where Stock and Bingle used to have two little gymkhanas each year, uh, which were only sort of uh, about two kilometres down the road from our farm. So didn't have a horse float or anything in those days. So used to ride him down to the showground and do a little bit of showing on him. So we did manage to pick up a couple of ribbons and that. Uh, once he was on a bit better behaviour, but he was definitely a good learning curve. Mm. You got very keen on the Arab horses later with dressage, your primary interest, and you eventually bought yourself a lovely horse with the exotic name of Moongalba Ralik. I'll put a photo of him on uh, with the podcast heading too, Teresa. Yep. Yeah, he he was a lovely horse. I um I bought him sight unseen. Uh, he was sort of um, relatively uneducated and I had a lot of fun with him uh, doing the Arab show scene uh, and had quite a bit of success with him. We ended up winning an Australian championship uh, in the Bridal Path hack. 
Uh, he went reserve champion and top five at all the major Arab shows in New South Wales. Mm. And it was a really good, fun experience. Uh, I had him when I st- uh, moved up to Wollongong and even a couple of my friends from uni uh, that were not into horses at all. They, they ended up coming to a few shows with us and we had a great time camping for the weekend and um, got them, got them working as well, mucking out stables and leading him around and doing mm. all bits and pieces. Saturday afternoons uh, were very interesting in those early days. Your mum would drop you at your netball game, and then she'd report for duty at the Cootamundra TAB. You'd go there later when the game was over, and you'd wait for mum to finish work and. During that time, you'd watch the races on Sky Channel and you found yourself getting very interested. Yeah, look, it was uh, because we lived out of town, yeah, on a Saturday afternoon after netball, uh, quite often I'd head round to the tab. Um, quite often I'd help put the results up on the boards. Those were the days where you had to go and write the results up on the pieces of paper hanging up on the boards all around the tab. Mm-hmm. So that was one of my jobs was to go around and put them up. But, yeah, I, I loved loved the races, got into the habit of doing the form on a Friday afternoon after school, studying the form guide all night. Used to get up first thing on a Saturday morning and turn the radio on to Sky Radio, mark out all the scratchings on the form guide, go through, reassess my te- tips. Mm-hmm. And mum always had a box of tab tickets at home, so I'd fill out a few tab tickets with my little 50 cents each way on this <laughs> and that and uh, gave me an interest for the day. Well, it wasn't long before you had colour photos of star racehorses plastered all over your bedroom. I was talking to Gaynor Williams on the podcast recently. She did exactly the same thing. Yes, I don't think you could see a centimetre of uh, wall space on my bedroom walls or on the roof for that matter. (laughs) Uh, And courtesy of mum working in the tab, all the posters that they used to have as promotional posters in the tab, uh, once they were finished with them at the tab, mum would bring them home uh, along with some of the racing calendars and that. So, yeah, I used to hang them all up. Uh, So, yes, it was uh, a very decorative room. (laughs) When you were in Year 10 at Cootamundra High School, it was requested that you arrange work experience in an industry of your choice, and it took you two seconds to nominate racing as that particular industry. And the next thing, you've got a week at the office of the Australian Jockey Club. I think you stayed with an auntie nearby. Yeah, look, that was a fantastic week. Uh, Yeah, we had some close family friends that lived at Coogee, uh, so I went and stayed with them for the uh, just over a week and a half, uh, and it was just a fantastic week. Coincidentally, it just ended up being Melbourne Cup week that I was up there, mm. uh, so that that added a bit more interest to the week, uh, and that's when the uh, Australian Jockey Club was based on course at Randwick. So over lunchtime, mm. we used to get to go and explore uh, the grandstands and the facilities there at. Randwick, I got to go and meet the clerk of the course horses. Mm. I got to go and stand behind the superimposed bar. And yeah, used to have lunch out on the the lawn of the grandstands there at Randwick. Yeah, it was just a fantastic week. Mm. I think you told me too that you did a stable visit to uh, the stables of Bobby Thompson at Randwick and you saw a very special horse that day. 
yes. Uh, one of the girls that worked in the office uh, rode track work for Bob Thompson, so she took me up to track work on the Saturday morning and that was the time that he had uh, Dane Wind going around. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, it was uh, I was starstruck the whole week meeting all these people that I'd read about in newspapers and used to uh, follow intently. Uh, so it was just an absolutely fantastic week. Mm, great horse, Dane Wynn. He won five Group 1s and there's little doubt he should have won a couple more. And he, uh, he did a pretty good job at stud too, uh, Teresa, didn't he, from limited he opportunities? Yes. No, he um, he definitely should have probably won a lot more Group 1s. Uh, but, yeah, no, he's a lovely horse and, uh, yeah, he was one of the ones that I followed at the time and, of course, after that followed him even more intently. <laughs> You went to the Randwick meeting on Melbourne Cup Day that year. Uh, Jeune won the Cup and you tell me you backed a winner that day. You've never forgotten it. Yes. Well, I actually did tip Jeune in the Melbourne Cup and had a few dollars on him. So mm-hmm. um, being on work experience that day, we, we worked in the morning and shut the office down in the afternoon and went across to one of the other offices uh, to, to watch the Melbourne Cup. Uh, then once that was over, the races were at Randwick that day and there was a, a little grey mare called Rhythm Review. Mm. Uh, so I managed to get a bet on her and she duly saluted, so it was a good day out. Mm. Well, Digger McClellan rode Rhythm Review that day. He retired a few years ago and everybody thought he left the racing industry, but he's on the comeback trail, riding plenty of winners in the northern areas and I think you, uh, you owe him a, a ride one day. Yes, I think he has ridden a couple for me over the years That's and, it. yeah, very, very very good rider and would have no hesitation putting you on again. 1996 was the year you flew through your HSC exams, picking up a scholarship along the way. What did you do with that scholarship? Uh, so I ended up coming up to Wollongong um, Uni with that scholarship. Uh, probably wasn't entirely sure where I wanted to go once I finished Year 12, uh, I had been looking at the University of New South Wales uh, purely for the fact that it was across the road from Randwick Racecourse. Mm. Uh, but, yes, got this scholarship at uh, Wollongong Uni, so packed up and headed to Wollongong and been here ever since. Mm. What was the degree? Uh, so I did a Bachelor of Commerce majoring in economics. Right, well... After about a year, at the end of your first year at uni, you couldn't bear living so close to Kembla Grange Racecourse without having some involvement. And the next thing we know, you're riding work. Which trainers? Uh, I started off riding work for Debbie Walters. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I uh, did a couple of years riding work for Diane Poitier Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've worked for quite a number of trainers around Kembla Grange over the years. Um, Helped out Kerry Parker, uh, doing a lot of strapping and that for him. And, yeah, no, it's, it was great. Uh, yeah, I ended up living in Kembla Grange after 12 months of moving up to Wollongong. Uh, so, yeah, it was a good way to be earning money whilst I was putting myself through uni. Mm. And, yeah, it was something that I was really interested in. Uh, so, yeah, that took us on another path. Um, and, yeah, it was just fantastic to be able to be working with these horses. I'd always sort of been um, on the other side of it as far as uh, the show horses and loved racing from a distance. But, yeah, Mm. once I got got involved in it, the passion grew even more. 
Now, that Bachelor of Commerce degree is neatly framed and it's hanging on a wall at home. But it hasn't been of much use because you don't need credentials like that to train racehorses and it's unlikely you'll be needing it now. <laughs> oh, I do think it helps in a way. Um, being a trainer these days, uh, probably there's a lot more to it than just training the racehorses. So I do a lot of my own bookwork and accounts and that sort of thing. So I definitely think that the the degree I am utilising in some way, or that's what I tell myself anyway. Mm. Well, you were 24 years old, Teresa, when Natural Instinct took over. You went to an English tried horse sale. You spotted an eight-year-old who had good Victorian form very early in his career but he hadn't won a race for two and a half years and obviously nobody else showed any interest because you got him for $200. Yes, he he was a, a legend of a horse, old Kazaragi, and I, I, a good friend of mine was there with me at the sales that day and if it wasn't for them, I probably wouldn't have bought him because I, I was probably uh, a little bit unsure of what to do and whether to actually put my hand up and especially when he was going that cheaply, you sort of like, oh, what's wrong with them? Uh, but, yeah, so it was actually my friend sitting next to me that ended up uh, sticking his hand up and, yeah, oh. so I ended up, we went down and had a look at the horse and took him home and he, he was just a marvellous old horse. Well, at his fifth start, he won an open class race at Queen Beanne and it must have seemed like a Doncaster. Yeah, look, he... Um, <coughs> Even his first couple of starts here at Kembla Grange, I think it was his second or third start, he hit the front 100 out and I think he was 100 to 1 that day and he only just got run over the final few strides and run fifth mm-hmm. feet in the length. Um, and, yeah, the, the day at Queen Anne, I think he won in a photo finish. He stuck his nose out at the right time. Mm-hmm. So it was an absolute thrill. Uh, and, like, he was just a, a such a lovely old horse to do anything with. Uh, we kept him afterwards as a as a pony um, and he ended up going on to do Clark of the Coursing after mm. he'd retired from racing and, yeah, he was just a, a lovely old horse. Mm, you've still got him, haven't you? Yes, yes. Uh, he He's with some family out at Mudgee and he's I think he's about 24 years old now. He's absolutely mm. spoilt rotten. <laughs> uh, lovely. Yes. No, he's got a really good life. You didn't race him much, and it was two years before he won his second race for you. This time it was at Maruya, and he was 11 years old. Yeah, we'd actually retired him. Uh, these were the days before benchmark races, and being an old open handicapper, uh, he was he was that little bit hard to place, and he was probably just that sort of three lengths off him. He'd, he'd run his honest races, be beaten three or four lengths, uh, but he'd been such a good old horse. You didn't want to keep sending him around for the sake of it. Uh, so, yeah, we end up keeping him in the stables uh, as a lead pony and uh, partner for some of the young horses that we had in work. And, yeah, as an 11-year-old, uh, I had a young two-year-old that um, wasn't all that brave that I used to work Kazraghi around with quite a bit. Mm. And even when this horse stepped up to pace work, I didn't have a mate for him, so I was riding Kazraghi with him. And I actually said to my partner at the time, going, 
this old horse feels better than he's ever felt. Oh, uh, so, he, so he ended up putting him back into work. And, yeah, second mm. up, he uh, won at Maria, uh, which was a fantastic thrill. Like, yeah, he, he was mm. just such a sensational and tough old horse. And he just loved loved being involved in the stables. He loved his racing. Mm. Uh, and, yeah, he, he actually used to sulk if you put him out in the paddock for a spell. Mm. Teresa, I'll get you to stand by there for a moment. We're going to clear a commitment on the podcast and we'll be back with you after this. Mitovite has been producing high-quality feeds and supplements for all walks of equine life for almost 40 years. Mitovite has become a household name in racing and breeding circles with products like Athlete, Formula 3 and Breeder. Time-tested products in the breeding barn and on the racetrack. 26 thoroughbred Group 1 winners this season have been on a Mitovite feeding regime. From humble beginnings on the New South Wales Central Coast, Mitovite has become a world leader in equine nutrition. Infrastructure investment in the production mill and close attention to nutritional science keeps Mitovite at a standard of excellence developed over four decades. Check the website mitovite.com or follow the Mitovite Racing and Breeding Facebook page. The Mitovite brand has earned the respect of horse people all over the world. My special guest is Teresa Baitup. The mare to really get you going was the beautifully named Freedom Call, who was by a sire called Statue of Liberty. She won three out of four at one stage, uh, with a second uh, breaking the sequence, she was very, very good to you early days. Uh, she she was a lovely mare and a tough mare. Uh, a, an owner of mine had actually purchased her from a tried horse sale uh, and sort of had her sitting in the paddock. She couldn't afford to put her into work. And I was up at a property one day and, and saw her in the paddock and she just took my eye like she was a beautiful style of a mare. Mm. Anyway, uh, we came to an arrangement where I leased the horse off her and, yeah, look, she she was just a tough mare. Uh, she she had a few little niggly leg issues and that, uh, mm. but she she had a huge heart and, yeah, she was probably the one that, that really started to get the ball rolling and put together a really nice sequence of runs there where, yeah, she won three out of four mm. and uh, that's when things just started to – to snowball and build and we started getting a few new horses in the stables and the uh, winners kept coming. We've already talked about your wonderful strike rate at the scone sales and you mentioned Monagal uh, early in the interview. What a great example. $3,000 at the scone sale in 2017. She's won seven. She's been placed nine times. She's won at Canterbury and Rose Hill She's won a Bega Cup and $377,000, and she ain't finished yet. No, she's just such a body mare. Um, and, look, I feel privileged to have a horse like her in the stables. Uh, she's been a bit of a fairy tale story, and the group of people that are involved in her are just absolutely fantastic, and we've all had such a wonderful time with her. Uh, she's just been such an honest and consistent mare that, that every preparation, she just comes back that little bit better. 
Uh, she she tries every time you send her out. Uh, she's probably been a bit unlucky a few times, given her racing style, where she gets mm. back and you're reliant on tempo. Uh, she's she's been unlucky not to have added a few more wins to her amazing record already. But yeah, to have a horse like her that's always been sound and just keeps coming back at every preparation's just been fantastic. Let's whip through a few of your personal favourites. Halliday Road has been a beauty. Four wins, 13 seconds. He gave young Madison Waters her first winning ride, but you tell me he is a prize pest going to the races. Oh, he is a character and a half. (laughs) He's Hmm. actually just come back into work. He's eight years old now. Um, He's another one. He just loves being in work. He's uh, a very inquisitive horse. He loves being involved in absolutely everything. Um, and he just, he's, he's no superstar. He's just a genuine country racing proposition, but you put him in the right races. He, he's always giving his best and yeah, he, he can be a bit of a, a handful of the races at times purely for the fact that he just loves being at the races and likes to show off a little bit. Uh, especially when he gets to Sapphire Coast where all seven of his wings have come. Mm. Well, you've got a better Sapphire Coaster than that, a horse called Jarrett who's been a real ripper for the stable. He's won six in all, five of them at the Sapphire Coast and one at Kembla. He's a good-looking horse, Teresa. Oh, he's a beautiful type of horse uh, and he's just recently been retired and uh, will we'll head off to um, pursue a career in the show ring and that where I'm sure he'll excel because he's, he's just an absolutely magnificent type of horse. Uh, yeah, Anthony Manton dubbed him the, the king of the coast. I think he actually won seven and six of them were at the Sapphire Coast. One of them was at Kembler. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, he, he was another one. He was just a horse that every preparation just kept improving that little bit and always raced very honestly, very rarely put in a bad run. Um, and for some reason he just happened to love the Sapphire Coast. So we kept going back down there. Mm, why not? Giant's daughter uh, must have been a frustrating mare to train. She had a lot of talent, but she also had some joint problems. Yes, she was um, – she was – just a really tough mare. Uh, I sort of got her and she'd, she'd had a handful of starts and she, she really didn't have the best joints. Uh, but she, um, she she had a really big heart and we were able to place her quite effectively. And there at one stage she won three in a row going through the grades. Then we stepped her up to Metropolitan grade and she, she just got beat. I think she got beaten in the head at Warwick Farm. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, she was, she was a lovely mare, lovely big, tall, scopy mare. But, yes, just had horrid legs and horrid joints. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you sort of wonder what could have been if she she had been totally sound. You love a horse called River Charge, who's a five-year-old with only 17 starts on his CV, but there's a very good reason for that. Yeah, look, he's a horse that just kept, just needed a bit of time and, and kept maturing uh, each preparation. Uh, and he's done a super job. He ran third in a Wagga Guineas. 
Um, I was hoping that he'd be my bigger cup horse coming into next year, but I front um, he's he's just headed back to the paddock with a few little niggling injuries. Um, but yeah, and even this preparation, he'd come back and uh, his first start was quite good. His second start was a little bit ornery. Uh, then we found he had an entrapped epiglottis, so so mm. we had the surgery done on that. That all came through fine, but now he's got a few other little niggles. So just and just a lovely natured horse, just a, a beautiful horse to have around. So we'll we'll give him a nice long break, and um, if all's well with him, then he'll come back and see whether we can get him back to the races. Start again. That's right. The horse to give you your coveted first metropolitan win was Skyway who's now retired. That win was at Newcastle, but it was under metropolitan conditions. Yes, that was the time where they were um, moving a lot of the midweek city meetings to the provincial tracks while they were doing a bit of work on the metropolitan tracks. And he, he was a lovely horse, lovely big style of gelding, uh, beautiful nature about him. Uh, he, he was owned by the late Ross Williams who had the super horse horses um, and could breed a really, really nice horse. Um, and, yeah, this horse had come to me from Joe Pride and, and come in fantastic order. Uh, and he just seemed to enjoy the environment down here. And, yeah, we were able to win two in a row with him, including that one at Newcastle, which was our first Metropolitan win. I can only assume that you have quite an opinion of a three-year-old called Moon Stories because you went straight from a Sapphire Coast maiden win to the Group 3 Spring Stakes at Newcastle. Now, he finished out of a place about six lengths from the winner, but he was far from disgraced. That was a bold move. Yes, I, I actually did a similar sort of thing with Divine Breast. She won a Sapphire Coast Maiden and went to a Gosford Guineas and, and probably a mm. similar sort of result, finished midfield, um, but far from disgraced. And, mm. yeah, look, he's he's a lovely horse, um, just a beautiful temperament of a horse uh, and a very good-looking horse, being by Odyssey Moon, uh, who stamps his progeny with the, the nice white blaze and markings. He, he's a beautiful horse to look at and, and just got a – a lovely temperament. He's one he gets plenty of cuddles and kisses in the stables as he's always sticking his head out and can't help but stop at him when you walk past him mm. and he buries his head in your chest and he'd keep you there all day if he could. Mm. Um, but, yeah, look, he's uh, he was a horse that just kept improving. Uh, early on he sort of didn't show a lot, but he was a horse that every preparation you gave him and every time you asked him to step up he he took it on board and he kept improving. Mm. Um, got him to the races this prep. His first start at Nara was quite eye-catching over the 1,200 uh, where he, he was back along last and and rattled home to hit the line run third. Uh, then he went to Sapphire Coast, uh, stepped straight up to the mile and made up good ground again to win quite nicely. And being a three-year-old, um, yeah, the spring stakes was there and um, had a chat to the to the owners in the horse. Um, mm. So we decided to throw him in the deep end and, and see what see how he measured up mm. um, and this was all in his first racing preparation so I couldn't have been prouder of, of what he achieved at Newcastle that day yeah. uh, especially given the, the race conditions there was very strong winds that day and he ended up three wide facing the breeze mm. um, but got very positive feedback uh, for Brock Ryan regarding mm. him and we've given him a little break now and I've got no doubts the horse will stay 
Um, so our, our grand aim is to try and head towards a derby. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll bring him back just before Christmas and, um, yeah, plan on getting towards a derby in the autumn. Right. Well, black books are coming out all over the place. His name is Moon Stories. Put him down as a, as a future winner and hopefully a future top liner for Teresa and her staff. Now, your Sapphire Coast winners on the 29th of November were ridden by your great mate, Jess Taylor, with whom you've had a wonderful association. She's helped out many times, hasn't she, beyond the call of duty, jump outs, barrier trials, and she'll go anywhere that you want her to go. Oh, exactly right. Uh, look, Jess has been writing for me for, oh, it's got to be at least probably going on six years now. I can't even remember how the association started. Um, but we've just built up a good friendship and uh, and she rides well. She's always come and helped us out. She comes down, does jump outs, trials. I've dragged her off to many race courses across New South Wales that she probably never thought she'd go to. Uh, one or two she probably won't go back to again. <laughs> yeah. um, but, no, look, she's fantastic. Uh, her and Katie, her partner, and uh, their two kids, they're just wonderful people. Uh, Jess has come down if I've been short track work riders. Mm-hmm. I've only got to make the phone call and she'll come down and, and help us out. Um, and we've had plenty of winners together, mm-hmm. I think, about 12 months ago, we racked up uh, 50 winners together, uh, so it'd be well over that mark now. Yeah, that's great, Teresa. Your two winners on Gong Day were ridden by a rising star, in my opinion, in young Brock Ryan. He's about to come out of his time, so it'll get tougher from here on in, but I'm sure he'll still get plenty of support as a fully-fledged jockey. Oh, look, I'm sure he'll get plenty of support as well. Uh, Brock's another one. He's done most of his apprenticeship here in Kembla Grange. So we've seen him develop from a kid who had never sat on a horse and couldn't ride to uh, now holding his own in Sydney. Uh, and we've had a lot of success with Brock. Uh, again, he, he's just a, he's a great person, a genuine guy, um, always happy to help out. Uh, and he's yeah he's written a lot of winners for us and like I'll definitely be looking at supporting him uh, as a senior jockey. Uh, he gets along well with a lot of a lot of our horses and yeah he's put up an incredible association with horses like Monocle and that. Yeah. Um, but yeah no he, he and especially over the last six months he he's really sort of come to another level in his riding. So it's really good timing coming out of his apprenticeship. Uh, and, yeah, I'm, I'm sure that he can more than hold his own in the Sydney ranks. He's got a cool head. I watched him closely on Count de Rupee in the gong. He was under a lot of pressure that day, but he refused to panic. He was still sitting quietly well after they turned for home before he cut loose on Count de Rupee. He's got great composure. Oh, he does. Uh, he, he He's really matured in his riding and, like, yes, his rides there on, on Gong Day were absolutely sensational. Mm. Uh, talking to him heading into the meeting and his best two chances on the day were Count of Rupee and Divine Breath. And mm. uh, the the barrier gods didn't help him out greatly with them drawing 17 and 18, mm. uh, but he gave them both absolutely perfect rides. 
and and it was an absolute thrill to be on course that day when Count de Rupee won. Um, we were up in the grandstand, and I think the the whole of the race course was cheering for him and Count de Rupee. Yeah, lovely. Yeah. Now, Teresa, I'm intrigued, and I'm sure many of our listeners will be intrigued to know the age of the owner of the muffled voice we can hear in the background. <laughs> now, let me have a let me have a stab. Two. No, he's actually four going on five. He's, <laughs> he's probably acting like a two-year-old at the moment. <laughs> oh, good point. Under control, though, is he? Yes, that is Zach. No, yeah. he, he loves to be involved in every conversation. Yeah, and you and uh, your partner, Michael Ahern, are the proud parents of Zach. Yes, yes. So, no, Zach's, um, Zach's heading off to kindergarten next year, off to big school. He's had his orientations this week. Uh, he's a little bit too clever for his own good at this stage. <laughs> so I think big school will do him the world of good. But um, And he's on the countdown for Santa Claus at the moment. Oh, of course. <laughs> now, Teresa, while we're on the subject of jockeys, uh, some of your preferred riders are Andrew Adkins, Jenny Duggan, Rachel Murray, Robin Freeman Key, and young Madison Waters, who happens to be Brock Ryan's partner. Yeah, look, Maddie's um, Maddie's a, a great young talent. Uh, I've had a lot of success with her from from limited opportunities. Uh, every time I've put her on a horse, she she's given them absolutely every chance and ridden I think four winners for me at this stage. Mm. Just got a beautiful uh, natural seat on a horse, and horses just run for her. Uh, so I'm sure that she'll continue to ride winners and um, in time as, as she gets a little bit stronger and that she's she's going to be well sought after as a rider. Now, we've already given Michael Ahern a couple of notable mentions. Michael uh, was a jockey, as you said. He started out at Kembla with Bernie Howlett. Then he went to Brian Guy at Rose Hill. But when Brian moved to the Gold Coast... Michael went on to the Northern Rivers where he rode successfully for a number of years. How did you meet him? Uh, he After he'd been up at Grafton, he'd moved back here to Kembla and uh, was, yeah, riding work uh, here in Kembla. And uh, he ended up coming and riding a few work for me when one of my track work riders got hurt. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, we'd actually known each other for sort of quite a number of years um, bef- yeah, before we got together. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was one of, one of those chance meetings and, um, yeah, the, the stables that he first worked at um, with Bernie Howlett, which is actually the first trainer that I approached when mm. I came looking for work and used to do a bit of strapping for and now they're the stables that we have and uh, we're in that flat. What a coincidence. <laughs> so, yeah. It is. You tell me there's no better track work rider in the business than Michael. He's got a great feel for horses and you value his opinion highly. Oh, look, he's, he's a very good judge of a horse and um, you get a lot of confidence out of when he, he comes back and he thinks a horse can win. They, they very, very rarely get beaten. Uh, and just that experience, he, he's very good at educating horses and uh, just teaching them to do things right uh, so that when they go to the races, they settle and they they let down nicely. Uh, so yeah, it's quite invaluable having that sort of experience, and yeah, and to have that judgment that goes with it um, gives gives us a bit of confidence when we're going to the races as well. 
We've already given Zach a big rap, but there is also a 13-year-old called Cooper from a previous relationship who is about to enter high school. Yes, so yeah, he's in year seven and um, he he used to be helping out with the horses when, when he was a little bit younger. Uh, now, Playstations and Xboxes and that are a bit more fascinating than um, going and mucking out yards and stables. Uh, so occasionally, after a few eye rolls, he'll come out and give us a hand. Um, but yes, I think his I think his future lies more in the um, technology industry. <laughs> well, when that little Palomino pony called Buddy pelted you in the general direction of Broken Hill all those years ago. You wouldn't have dreamed that by 2021 you'd be firmly ensconced among Sydney's training brigade. It's been a fascinating ride for you, hasn't it? Oh, it has. And and probably early on I had no ambitions of sort of going into training. Uh, probably, if anything, I was more looking at, at having a career in the admin side of racing. Uh, but it's it's funny where life takes you and the different paths that it takes you on. Um, big believer in things happen for a reason, uh, and yeah, that's that's the path that we've ended up down, and and it's a great lifestyle. Uh, I, I love going to the races. I love going to the sales. Um, the the people that you associate with in this industry, uh, on the most part, are absolutely fantastic. Uh, so no two days are the same. It's better than going and sitting in an office day in day out. Um, so and and it's more a lifestyle than a job. Like you, you go yeah. enjoy it um, because the the hours are long. You don't get days off. Uh, but no, it, at the same time, when you're getting results like we've been getting recently, it, it makes it very rewarding and worthwhile. Can we safely say then that you're in this business for the long haul? Yeah, look, um, as I said, you, you never know what's around the corner, but, yeah, for the moment I'd, I'd, I'm not one to sort of sit around and do nothing. I get bored pretty quickly. Uh, so, yeah, it's, and I, I do a lot of my own strapping and that at the races and travel off to all different places. So as long as I can keep doing that and are enjoying it, yeah, we'll, we'll keep going with it. Teresa Baitup, it's been a delight having you as our special guest on a podcast produced by Supernova Sound. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much. The catalogue for the 2022 English Classic Yearling Sale is now available. A total of 810 yearlings have been finalised for the sale, 600 in Book 1, 150 in the Highway Session, all to be offered at Riverside between February 6 and 8. 700 of the entries are Bob's eligible and there are Vobus, West Speed and QTIS yearlings also on offer. There's an enormous range of proven stallions represented as well as first crop yearlings by exciting newcomers like Justify, The Autumn Sun and Trapeze Artist. The classic sale has seen unprecedented growth in recent years with 10 individual Group 1 winners since 2018. Eight of those have been purchased for $100,000 or less, while 14 graduates have won a million dollars or more in the same period. The classic sale gets the English show on the road for 2022 on February 6, 7 and 8 at Riverside. And the catalogue is out now.